praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to continue with our series on no generational causes. Today I want to share on the value of your life, or perhaps we'll just say your present value. Your present value. That is your present worth. Amen? Your present value. Okay. Um, we read this last week. Let's start from there. First Peter 1. First Peter 1. Praise the Lord. First Peter 1 verse 18. The Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, I want you to know the word tradition and the word vain conversation. Amen? Vain conversation. Now the word conversation means lifestyle. The life you live before. First Peter one eighteen. The life you live before. And the Bible says you receive that by tradition of your fathers. Hallelujah. Now what God called vain, but last week we discussed the vanity of idols, our idols being vain, isn't it? Hmm? Okay, so the scripture is now here saying, the life your fathers lived were vain lives. So in other words, if they were engaged in idol worship, it is still vanities of idol or idol being vain. Is that alright? Okay. And he said you receive this by tradition. But the top said or the apart says you know that you were not redeemed. In other words, you have been redeemed from those vain traditions. Does it connect? Vanity of idols. We said that last week. I just want to keep reminding you. Is that okay? But he said, this tradition which is vain that you received and you lived on before, you have been redeemed from it. So, if you are redeemed from a lifestyle, then that lifestyle can no longer have influence in your life. Is it simple? <laughs> Hallelujah. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Now, don't forget. The Bible even says silver and gold, trees, whatever, they are the things that men use in making their idols. But it's not comparing as it were. What purchased you cannot be compared to those things that more or less are in form of exchange. You know the word, even if you bring it to the area of commerce, silver and gold were a medium of exchange. Right? 
Now he's saying the blood by which you were redeemed cannot be exchanged. It's not something that you can exchange for something else. That is why your redemption is an eternal redemption. Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting that? Your, the blood with which you were purchased is not an exchangeable blood. It's not a blood that you can trade for something else. It's an eternal blood. And that blood took you out of the vain conversations which you receive by tradition. So as long as you get out of tradition and the vain conversation of your fathers, now into the eternal blood of, of the Lord, which cannot be exchanged for anything else, there is nothing on the other side that can affect you. So the vain conversation which are the idol worship of your father have no part in your life because your redemption is an eternal redemption. Did you get that? Oh, simple word. Simple word. And I was studying today on so many things we're just coming up. Deal with some of them next week so that you can really see where we are. As far as the issue of redemption and the life of even Abraham is concerned. Praise the Lord. Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 20 verse 27 and 28. Praise the Lord. It said, For I have not shown to declare unto you all the counsel of God, which I think I'm doing now and I'll continue to do. Verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with what? His own blood. Now, remember already 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Is that okay? He said, you should take note of the fact that you were not redeemed with what? Corruptible things. So with what are you redeemed? With the blood. Did you get that? And that's why I was saying the blood that redeemed you is not something that can be exchanged for something else. Because he said, you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from the vain conversation of the tradition of your fathers. So you were pulled out from that circle through what? The blood of Jesus. His own blood. Amen? Alright. Okay, go down to verse Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6. You see, the more I look at the scriptures, I find it every day almost very difficult to ever believe why people should teach about generational causes. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a major devaluing of the sacrifice of Jesus. First Corinthians 6, let's look at 19 and then 20. Look at it. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye ought. Are you done with me? With what? With a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And this is very important. You are bought with a price. Now, look, 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 look. Watch this. 
In those days, slaves were bought from the slave market. Is that okay? And anytime you buy a slave to your home, that slave has no part anymore with his previous home or Lord. Are you getting what I'm talking about? His life, in fact, every bit of his service is to benefit you, the owner. Are you getting that? Now, if you can capture that, you understand what we're saying here. We are all slaves to Christ. So there is no part of you left behind for any idol to affect. Because you can't serve two masters. <laughs> are you seeing it? It's so easy. It's so easy. Every, you say, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. That means all of your being is now to be used to do what? To serve God. Where is the idol going to affect you from? When you have only one master. Except you are serving two masters. The only way anything from your past conversation or vain tradition of your father can affect you is when your one of your eyes for the Lord, the other one is for the idols. Is that alright? A slave have no choice than to obey everything that the master says. And we have only one master. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you, you see, he, he paid for you. So even if the devil had you before, let's just put it that way. He paid and took you. There is no way you buy a slave from the slave market and the original owner of the slave will still have access to that slave. It's impossible. As long as you are collected that exchange, taking that money, you will release the slave. You go and do whatever you want to do with that slave. Walk in your sugarcane plantation, walk in the coal mine, anywhere you want him to walk. He doesn't even ask. You don't even pay back salary on top of the slave because you bought the slave from him. No, the original owner has no access. Why do you think the devil will still have access to your life after somebody has paid a price on you? That's why I'm dealing with the present value of your life. <laughs> Until you know this, the devil will still rob you. Rob you of the life that God has given unto you. Rob you of the opportunity that God has given unto you. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and you need to, you need to understand what he says there. So you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. God's property. Okay, let me give you another, another thing. Every slave, like I said before, is meant to be productive to the master. Can you see what Paul was speaking to Philemon about Onesimus? He was useful to me. Now he should be useful to you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good. Every slave is meant to be useful to the master. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want you to understand that it's very important. To me, it's very, very important. The benefit that you have today is for God and everything that you were ever going to be must be for God. Amen? Okay. So, like I said also, every slave is under the control of the owner. 
And because of that, every owner fights to protect his slave. Can you dissolve the, the centurion? I've never remembered that. What did he do? He has to go to Jesus because the servant was sick. Why do you think God will allow an idol to afflict you if you are truly his servant? Question. Unless you are saying, this man didn't truly purchase you. Unless you are saying, you don't truly belong to him. Every slave master fights to retain and to protect the slave. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So God is all out to protect you. As long as you are his servant. Is it simple? So there is no way. Look at what he said. I will contend with those that contend with you. Did he say so? What are we teaching people? What are we teaching this church? What are we teaching? There is no idol. As long as you are a slave of the Lord, there is no power from your ancestral spirit that can afflict you. God will contend with those that contend with you. Because you are a slave, he will protect you. Let me tell you this. If you are weak, you can't serve him. Every sick slave cannot serve the master. God wants to use all of your being to worship him. If an idol afflicts you, how can you serve Christ? That's why I want to fight to make sure you are healthy. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love this word, eh? Man, mm. when you begin to see light, you forget these things that they are talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Because you see, the slave have to work for the master to benefit. And uh, that is afflicting your business, no prosperity. How can you go to Sagwa with your money? Is I do that's making you not to prosper. Uh, our central spirits make you to be sick. Amen. The lies and the traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. Amen. <laughs> Praise the living God. How many of you know that when Israel was in Egypt, they were just like slaves there? They were actually slaves. While they were slaves, they were not productive to God. How many of you remember that? But when God brought them out, they become useful to God. Amen. And not just that, they became the firstborn of God. So do you know what that means? God picked you as a first fruit of his creature. And that's why I'm so special to him. And any time we're talking about a first fruit, it's connected with blood. It was through the blood, the first fruit emerged from Egypt. Praise the Lord. <laughs> God is going to help us. Amen. So Israel was a false fruit. It was a false burden unto God. And God took them to himself. They were servants of the Lord. Amen. Alright. And in a said with a price. A bought with a price. Basically a price is that which you paid for an article. It's a value of an article you paid for. Is that okay? Right. And um, the seller must consider the price you are going to pay to be a fair price. Before the article can be released. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> and so, the value of an article is directly connected to the price paid. Are we together? What then is the value of the rhythm one? The life of God. He bought the church with what? His own blood. Are you getting that? So your real value 
is equivalent to the blood of Jesus. That's what he's using pain for you. That is your value. And remember, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so, this is why we have to be talking about the faith towards God. That's how Paul will say the life I live in the flesh is no longer I that live it. But this life by the faith of the Son of God who gave his life for me. Your value is equivalent to the blood. That is what we mean by redemption. Amen? And uh, again, it's only the man that has access or have been able to pay for a property that have right to do whatever thing he wants with the property. Am I correct? Nobody else has access to that. You buy a television, it is you, put it on and shut it off. You want to break it, you can break it. Nobody can question you. It's your property. I want to establish that fact. If God had paid the price and picked you up, nobody can dictate your life anymore. Only God can. That's what I want to say. Only God can. Even sometimes when your close relations come to beg you for some things, you want to rather give the money to go and either buy or loan from somewhere. You don't release that thing. Because it's only the man that has the property that pays for the property that have access and have total control of that property. No third party has rights. Why do you think the devil has right over you? Why do you think what demon has right over you? Why do you think what a sensual spirit has right over you? Unless you were not paid for. I belong to Christ. He has total control over my life. Are you getting what I'm talking about? No devil has right because he paid the price. That's what I'm trying to say. He paid for it. Hallelujah. What are we looking at here? Number one. The Lord will not pay for you if he doesn't have value for your life. You can't carry money to go to the market and just be paying it for anything that you don't value. What you don't have value for, you can pay for. Am I right? So for the Lord to have decided to buy you back, in quote, it means he has value for your life. And because he has value for your life, he also wants to protect what is valuable to him. Oh, come on, somebody needs to understand this. Are you see that? Why do you put burglaries in your house? Not just only for your sake, but you don't want your property to be stolen. So you can go to the extent of putting burglary proofs. Because you have value for your products. Mm, get this right. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You have value for your products. So you fence your house around so that thieves doesn't come in. Am I talking to someone here? Because God valued you so much, that's why He paid for you. And because He paid for you, what's the next thing He does? He protects you. So no idol, no stupid idol anywhere, man. Forget that. It's all human story, human conjunctions. Hallelujah. Establish number two. God have redeemed or recovered. The Christian or a believer. Because he redeemed. Right? So the Christian have been redeemed or recovered of God. God recovered you. God redeemed you. God bought you. 
Hallelujah. As a point of emphasis, don't forget, if a man buys a property, he stands the chance to defend the property and to contend with whoever wants to touch the property. Is that all right? That's why I'm saying God will contend with those who contend with you. He even said it, I won't drink your own blood. <laughs> that is a value you place on your life. Amen. Amen. Number three. God considered it an object of consideration before he paid the price. In other words, he estimated, designed, fought it over before he paid. Because, you see, you can't just leave the house with money without determining what you want to buy and the value of that product to your life. Is it possible? No. So you first sit down and say, I want to buy this car. You're thinking about what a car wants to do for you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So God sat down and considered the need to have you back to himself and he paid the price. That is why he's all out to make sure he defends what he paid for. Hallelujah. Amen. And for this to be done, you must remember something. In terms of where we work, which has to do with the law. Part of the, the purchase, part of the price they paid, is not just the blood in just that's the loan, but even the sufferings are pulled together as part of the price that he paid. Because you were supposed to suffer, he paid a price that you make him out of suffering. Why were you supposed to suffer? Because the wages of sin is actually suffering and death, whatever thing you want to put. So if it became sin for you so that you don't suffer anymore. So no devil can make you suffer because he paid for your sufferings. Is it, is it okay? I'm trying to establish the father. If your forefathers did anything which will have made you suffer by implication you sin now by your forefathers. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And so that thing will not make you suffer. Now he suffers so that you don't suffer anymore. So he broke the causes. Amen? And number four, the valuable consideration. I'm trying to summarize the feeling I've just said. The valuable consideration that God made was the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? As an Antony sacrifice, an offering, and a ransom. The blood of Jesus. The value he placed. The consideration he made. Praise the living God. Think about it this way. The required justice for the offenses you committed, which is the visiting of the iniquities now, is the justice of God. Is that okay? When I'll visit the iniquities of the third and the fourth generation. The iniquities of the visited is the justice of God. The right justice or the righteous judgment of God. Are you getting that? Good. Now, what God wants for that justice to be executed was offered to God through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Are you seeing? It's like saying, 
you have sinned and you must be sentenced. The judge said you should be sentenced to death. Now he found somebody that can go to death. Is that okay? That he doesn't have anything anymore to do because what the law says, somebody must die. So since somebody is available to die, the man that committed that crime must not die again. That is double justice. So since you sinned or your father sinned, no problem. The justice of God is you have to suffer. And that Jesus showed up to suffer in your place. That you may not suffer anymore. And God have no other choice than to say you are free because I found a sacrifice. Is this simple? So the sacrifice of Jesus met the justice of God. That is why the devil cannot touch you. The devil cannot. I'm saying there is no idol from your community that can stretch his hand because the justice of God has been met in Christ on your behalf. How would God want to punish you again because of your father? When somebody died because your father sinned. <laughs> How many demands is God making on one sacrifice? I mean, on one, on one sin that your father committed? <laughs> Amen. Praise the living God. <laughs> so then, you must understand that there was no other price that the sinner would have paid that was not paid. Does that make sense? No other price. No other, no other price. The price for sinning could be death or stoning to death, whatever. So, if that is all that God wanted, somebody did it for him. Therefore, he paid the price. That you will have no other price to do what? To pay. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, like what we read in 1 Corinthians 6, I said, now that the believer have you redeemed, the price has been paid, it has a glorified God in your body and what? In your spirit. In other words, you now become a serviceable object unto who? Unto God. That's all. That's all. Huh? Praise the living God. Okay. So that's just what it means. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. In other words, honor God and live for Him. That's all. Honor God and live for Him. As long as you can honor God and live for Him with all of your being, I'm assuring you, there is nothing on the other side that can stretch His fingers to touch you. Nothing. Is that alright? Amen. Because, you see, the king is interested in his vessels. The king is interested. How many of you remember? Look at the Bible. The Bible keep on telling all kings they used to use... Uh, Golden vessels, you know, to drink water. Is that okay? Are you there with me? Beautiful vessel, good things. He paid the price. He gave you divine nature, which is gold. And he wants to use you. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. You can for any reason, therefore, share your mind, your thought with the devil and with God. Because you were bought to be used by one individual. He paid the right price for you so that all of your being can be consecrated unto him. Praise the living God. Okay, let me read the scripture. Second Peter 2, let's just look at 19, the B part. Only the B part. It said, for of whom a man is overcome, 
For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought in bondage. A man is a slave to whatever controls him. Now, in this sense, when you look at it, it is negatively implied. But the positive side is, if the Holy Spirit controls you, you are a slave to the Holy Spirit. And if you are a slave to the Holy Spirit, you cannot be a slave to the idols. Now, I'm trying to say, when he says yield your body, it means somebody has to control your spirit, soul, and body. Does that make sense? And so if the Holy Spirit is controlling your spirit, soul, and body, then you are a slave to the Holy Spirit. And you cannot be a slave to two people. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. So who controls you? Because he said, honor God with your spirit, or glorify God in your spirit and in your body. Is that okay? Now, meaning God through the Holy Spirit should be controlling your life. Therefore, you are a slave to the Holy Spirit of God. So he says, for of whom a man is overcome, in other words, the Holy Spirit must overcome your natural ability and then make you a slave to himself to control you, spiritual and body. And when that is done, that there is no room for any other master to control you. Does that make sense? There is no other power that can overcome you because one man has overcome you. Now you go back to the story and he tells us in the scriptures, when a strong man, remember that? Okay, we put a fence, protect the property. But when a stronger man comes, what happens? They ban the strong man and vandalize. That's an overcoming. Hmm? And anytime a man is conquered, the man is subject to the one that conquers him. So if God conquers you, then you are subject unto, unto God. You can't be subject to two masters at the same time. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, let's see how we're going to be rounding up. Galatians 3. You know, sometimes we use the word, there's a negative implication often when we look at it from the word slave and bondage, whatever that is. Fine. Uh, but Paul often used the word, I'm a slave of Jesus. Have you, have you read that before? You, bond servant, that means a slave. So, it's not always on the negative side. You can do something good. When you say a bond servant, you're saying God is in total charge of your life. Amen? You're going to do the bidding of the Lord. Because every slave will obey the master, do whatever the master says. And that is done, God also protect the master, I mean, they protect the slave and provide for the slave. And just like about the centurion, and before the centurion begin to go to Jesus, he must have done several other things to see that the servant gets well. Hmm? But when things are not seeming coming, that's why he has to go to Jesus. So what I'm saying is, can you imagine the strength he takes and the commitment he takes the centurion to make sure the servant gets well? And I'm saying God does more than that for you. Because you are a servant. Amen. Galatians 3. And look at verse, verse 13. Galatians 3, 13. Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from what? The cause of the Lord. Being made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree. For it is written. I want to take you to the place where it is written. Deuteronomy 21. Jeremiah 21, let's look at verse 22 to 23. 
Hallelujah. For it is written, causes everyone to hang on a tree. Look at that. So verse 22 of Deuteronomy 21. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, other hang him on a tree. <laughs> now I want you to look at this picture. If a man had committed a sin worthy of death, huh? and all humanity committed sin worthy of death, are you still there with me? <laughs> and then you kill him and put him on a tree. Verse 23. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. But how shall I in any wise bury him that day? For he that is hanged is a cost of God. Did you find that the strength of that? That thy land be not defiled. Which the Lord that God giveth thee for what? An inheritance. Now you can see why Jesus have to be brought down. Hmm? Why well, it is written, cause it even when the hunger on the tree. He didn't end there. He said, you mustn't leave the body till the next day. And so they went and said, well, that's going to bring them down. Otherwise, the land itself shall be what? Polluted. So now, he took the cause, the body carries the pollution into the grave. Oh, come on. Somebody need to get this. If you leave it there, it's like you advertise in the cause. It's that the cause is spreading the more. But when you bring down the cause and bury the cause, you are burying the sins and iniquities that he was hanging on together into the grave. You say, if you leave the cause there, you pollute the land. So it's like spreading the cause. Because anyone that hangs on the tree, he says, if a man commits sin, what of death, hang him on a tree... Because it becomes an accursed thing. But don't leave it to the next day. Are you following this? So they have to take Jesus. So what are we talking about? When a man commits sin worthy of death, the whole world commits sin worthy of death through Adam, through your great-grandfather, through the idols that your fathers worship. And all of them were brought on him and they hung him on the cross there. And by the time that they brought him down, when they buried him, they buried him with everything that they died with. That the land might be clean. Hallelujah. Some of you, it's like you're going to the grave to pick the things that he was buried with. That's the way I feel. When you start thinking about this generation of causes, you're going back. And somebody said, well, you're talking about the law. Where are you taking your own from? Exodus 20. Is that not the law? Hey, come on. Am I talking to someone here? Yes, Exodus 20 verse 5. I'll visit iniquities of the father. You're quoting the law, isn't it? Uh-huh. And that's what I'm saying. This is the fulfillment of the law. <laughs> all the sins that your fathers committed were all poured on him. He took it to the cross. He hung there. By the time he died, to fulfill the same law, he was brought down. Remember, when they went, they said the evening was coming, so let's go there and then um, break the leg of these people. It's like they have not died the way they should die. Let's break their legs and things like that. Maybe they don't want them to run away or something. Is that okay? <laughs> When the Bible says where they go there, Jesus have already died. And they said, okay, this guy have already died. So there's no need to break his leg. And I told you why the legs were not broken. Because that speaks of the unity of the church. Because the head, where his body, we are his feet of Jesus. So your legs are not broken so that we can be one. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. So his legs cannot be broken. If his legs were broken, then the body of Christ will have been divided. Because by the flesh of his flesh and the bones of his bones. And that is why you find that the bones of Joseph were also carried from Egypt. Oh, come on, somebody doesn't understand that. 
<laughs> Are you sitting there with me? Because the bow represents the house of Israel. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. So, all iniquities or causes were all generational, whatever you want to talk about, they were all put on who? On Jesus on the cross. Praise the living God. Amen. And he took them all so that you will have nothing to do with any of those things anymore. Nothing to do with them. Man, you need to believe what Jesus did. Hallelujah. You need to believe that Jesus paid the price that God was looking for. He, he said, man, this is what I want. And exactly what it is, he got it. So God is not looking for general causes on your life. You are the one that is trying to think about that. He's not thinking about that because what he wanted, he got it. God in you in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Now you see, the word redeem is the same word we're considering before, which has to do with to buy. So here it means he has bought us with a price, which is actually what? His blood. Be made a cause for us. An atonement, like we said before. So that every punishment we're supposed to bear will not be where? Upon him. Praise the living God. Amen? Okay, that's just what we've just read. Now, let me, let me at this point interpret the word causes or iniquity. Iniquity, like we find in Exodus 20, 20 of verse 5, when thou visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the throne of the fourth generation, that word is actually uh, moral evil or fault. Uh, it means mischief. It means punishment. Hmm? Uh, that befalls a man. Mischiefs or punishment that befalls a man. That is iniquity. Is that okay? So God is not saying the mischief. Let me, let me give you an example of mischief. If you're in a business and a business begins to collapse, it's a kind of mischief. Is that okay? If your head is collapsing, it's a mischief. Right? It's not, the Bible is not telling us that all the mischiefs that were supposed to follow you by reason of the iniquities of your father now. What your father did. Are you getting this? Pick this right. That is the causes now. That is iniquity. All those iniquities that were supposed to follow you because of what your fathers did. Jesus took them to the cross. Is that okay? You have no part in it anymore. No part in it. No, it's interesting. Maybe next week I'm going to believe with Abraham's righteousness in contents with this so that you can understand. Abraham will really serve idols for all days of his life before the Lord called him so that you can understand the Hebrew later H and see the strength of that later that God added to his life. I'll deal with that fully next week. Go to Galatians 4. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, I think verse 29, you remember that he said we are heirs of Abraham. Did he say so? Through Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, be heirs of Abraham through Christ. That's Galatians 3, verse 2, uh, the last verse there, 39. Let's get down to Gal- I mean, Galatians 4, now verse 1. Let me just read. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from his servant, though he be the Lord of all. But it's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the wall. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law 
that we might receive the adoption of sons. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me read this. I would like to read this from the message. Uh, let me see if I can get it. Okay. Let me read from the message. Verse 1. Let me show you the implication of this. Of being the children of Abraham, heirs, or whatever. As long as the, ch- the heir is a minor, little children. Hmm? Drinking me sucky fingers. You know what I mean? Huh? Many of you suck your fingers sometimes. Clear your nose with your hands. Cry for biscuits. And yogurt. As long as you are living that way. And that's why a lot of people do in church. They look for yogurt. Yeah? Are you there? They want pastor to always pamper them. Hmm? Clean their nose for them. Don't cry again. Don't cry again. As long as you are that kind of person. He has no advantage over the slave. Hallelujah. Though legally he owns the entire inheritance. But you have no advantage over the slave. The slave is meant to control and to do things in the house. But not necessarily to control the child who is the heir. Is that right? Okay. He is subject to tutor and administrators until whatever t- date the father has set for emancipation, liberation. That is the way it is with us. When we were minors, we were just like slaves ordered around by simple instructions. The tutors and administrators of this world, and I include demons. Amen? When we were minors, we're subject to all manner of instructions, subject to all manner of talks here and there, all kind of spirit ruling you, controlling you, sending you message. You were supposed to send it, they are the ones sending you message. People finish doing this, say the devil tell me, which devil? Where did you hear him talking to you? The devil made me. Oh, well, made you because he refused to get out of being a minor. Amen. Two thousand of this world with no say in the conduct of their own lives. This is painful to me. No say in the conduct of their own lives. Minors in the house where people control them. I mean, I'm talking of the element of this world. All manner of traditions and philosophies and doctrines controlling believers. They have no say of their own lives. Swayed here and there. They don't know who they are. They have no sure identity, no clear identity of who they are. They control left and right. Verse 4. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the condition of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Mm-mm. I like that. <laughs> Can you get that? The law kidnapped everybody. Praise the living God. Verse 5. Thus, we have been set free. Can I hear any man to that? To experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure 
that you are not fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying, Papa, Father. Oh, sir. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The spirit makes us to say that. That is seven seven. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? Hallelujah. Did you get that? Now, get what we're talking about in Second Peter 2.19. The B part. To whom a man is overcome, he's a slave to that man. Is that okay? Now, you're not a slave to any other person because now you're what? A son in the father's house. Why? Because you can say, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> I like this. And if you are a child, you are also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Earlier, before you know God personally, and I like this, you were enslaved to so-called gods that had nothing of divine about them. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that supposed to mean? Idols. Nothing divine about them. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Are you saying this? He said, before you become personally known to God, or that God called you to be his child, hmm? you were enslaved to so-called God that have nothing of divine about them. No life in them. You gave them life. No life in them. Praise the living God. Verse 9. But now that you know the real God, oh hallelujah, or rather since God knows you, how can you possibly subject yourself again to those paper tigers? Mm -mm. <laughs> hallelujah. You subject yourself to what? Paper tigers. You know what paper tigers mean? Pictures. Cartoons. <laughs> so demons are like cartoons. Idols are like cartoons. Amen. How can you? For that is exactly what you do when you are intimidated into scrupulously observing all tradition, taboos, and superstitions associated with special days and seasons and years. I'm afraid that all my hard work among you has gone up in a puff of smoke. Oh man, Paul was just regretting. Hallelujah. But I think my work will not go up like a puff smoke. You got to stand strong. Man, you are redeemed. The Lord paid a price on your head. Your value is the blood of Jesus. He valued you before he paid the price. He considered you before he paid the price. So you are free. No devil is after you. No demon can touch you. No idol of your forefathers can have any part in your life. You are a free man. Paid for. By the very blood of Jesus. God bless you.